Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're joined by Professor George Brito, head coach of Toronto BJJ. Before we get started, don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. With many great athletes, coaches, breakdowns, and hot takes, you're not going to want to miss a thing. We are powered by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's top cannabis brand, head over to Spirit Leaf Waterdown. Alex and his crew will get you all set up on your THC and CBD needs. In-store options are now available in Ontario, and don't forget to use the promo code to save some money. Just follow them on Instagram and use chpodcast10, and you'll get your savings. By Project Escard, which has been helping underprivileged youth get connected to jiu-jitsu schools all around the GTA. If you know anybody who would benefit from this program, reach out to us or Project Escard, and we'll help them get started. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you on the mats. Like, I, I watched that little BF Summer episode. And, and <laughs> I got an idea. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it can become a shit show. But, um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but anyways, let's get it off. Thank you so much for joining us back at the Shoking Hazard podcast. We have a special guest with us today, Professor George Brito. How are you, sir? Welcome back. You just came back from a four-month trip, as you were saying, from Brazil. You were finally back in Canada with us. So how you been, sir? What's up, guys? Uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to be here and uh, talking to you guys. And uh, a big shout to everybody that's listening to right now. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I just spent four, three months and uh, 20 something days in Brazil. And it was great, you know. Uh, if I start why I went there, so where you guys want me to start? Sure. Well, sure. Why? 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 Yeah. So, how did? Like, so, what? Anything new? Uh, what have you? What have you been doing in Brazil? Oh, I was just, I just, I was just getting fucking crazy here, you know, with all this, this like restrictions and uh, like you could, like we still cannot really see the light in the end of the tunnel, like for our industry, you know, like uh, not like I see things reopening, you know, patios like. But like for a jiu-jitsu, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like grappling, martial arts, especially the ones that are like for real, I see as a, as we still going to be like a struggling for a while here, even though the most optimistic way we say like September, maybe, you know, some people might say August, but, you know, the way that the, the governments are dealing with things, um, I, I, only if things start to get like so much better. And uh, and I'd rather be prepared for the worst. And if the best come out, good. So we enjoy it. But like I was just really getting in a bad state of mind. Like my son was like doing like online school. You know, I, I, I live in downtown. I don't live in a big house. I live in an apartment. So I, I like to see my see my kids having life as well myself. I think uh, with everything that people comes in. in you know, you want to have the empathy of people that can be sick and die, you know, uh, by any means, uh, I disrespect the fact that there is a, a illness going around that people can, can get real sick. But I, I just think that the government never, never gave us a, a little bit of space of trust, which end up getting people to do everything under the, the carpet. 
Is is that a good expression to use? Because it's just a Brazilian expression. Or uh, un, un, under like underground kind of thing. Like things have gone like, things have gone like, underground. Like I mean, I'm not talking about jujitsu only, but like you know, personal trainers are still teaching people. Like you know, like it's it's just bullshit, you know. And then like it's much better like, if you have it regulated with 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 the the restrictions, so then we can track people down and see who got it, he don't. It's like but you know what? I don't understand shit about it. I'm not like a, a, a yeah, because like we we got in this thing like that everybody now felt felt entitled to be given opinions about the vaccines, about this, about that. I'm like, you know, I understand about jiu-jitsu. That's that's it. You know, if you ask me about guards or something like that, I will provide you my my, my opinion. But like, what I'm supposed to do? I've, I'm like, I just felt like 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 a like a a criminal, like a just. Uh, having to go underground to teach a private class, like making my living. Like, what you guys want me to do? It's like they call me like to 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 charge my taxes. I'm like, I'm not gonna pay you guys. So mm -hmm. you can just sit down, just write down this file. I'm not gonna pay because you took me away every single uh, opportunity to make a living and give me like a, a serb for a period of time, and then you still want me to like to, to just laugh at you and then pay you like first my family. I'm going to use my tax money to my family. And then after I'll, I'll figure it out with you guys anyways. And then after like getting like, and this is state of mind, I just talking back with my family in Brazil and some of my friends, I just, I just realized the situation there is not, it was not as bad as they make it look like there, mm -hmm. there is a contest that I don't even want to get into this because this is a, such a boring uh, we just hear that today, right? But like the the situation in Brazil, it's it's most most complex than what we can imagine when we live here. Because right here, the the public system is a universal like there, but it's a total different thing, right? There's chaos before, so and I know people there from the the, the most poor place to the most rich place, and so and by like a crossing information with people, um, I just decided to go down. And uh, I was in a place that was very safe to have an idea. I spent the three months and a half there. I went to restaurants, I went to the beach. I trained jujitsu, I compete jujitsu. And uh, I, I made 17 tests myself because I was uh, in uh, my mother-in-law house and she she has like some conditions such a, she had like a lung cancer and I didn't got any COVID there. Like, uh, and she is also living like pretty much a full life other than using wearing mask no 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 you know like and following whatever restriction is the place you go mm -hmm. everything is is like a, it's it's manageable there there's a, a case here or there but like uh, the gym of our training for example they have like this cohorts so you can't train every time you can only train at that time i was training at checkmat i just want to give a shout for them if somebody's listening oh i think it's they, uh checkmat uh, checkmat hq is that uh is that real fight fight zone i don't know if oh, it's the zone, hq yeah. i don't know if it's the hq is the ricardo vieira academy yeah but uh you know there was gabby fatcher there uh she's one of the the teachers plus plus uh like antonio carlos uh, bodon which is a father of uh desada which is like uh one the, jonathan Gomi, so there was like and pro and dara like from from ireland was there and he's my friend from back in the day when mm. we were part of ribeiro jiu-jitsu it was a great cohort i wasn't even planning to compete my first plan was to spend like a month and a half there and then like second week training there like they just like come on man you gotta compete too let's go and then i start to compete and 
and and that's it so then i went there pretty much just to uh, i shut down everything and didn't answer emails i forgot about work i was just literally not leaving a vacation but uh, like just training and 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 doing like some life you know like uh, taking my kids to make friends to like my my son went to this, uh, soccer school to like to just have like some some training and things like that you know what i mean that I'm, just the, the reason. I'm just i'm just curious like what type of um covid tests do they have down there because i've taken some all, up here for different things like all, you, all I the tests like you a, can imagine all the yeah. tests because like everybody they're relying private uh health system so like you go in a clinic and they offer you anyone you want like uh, the pcrs the the blood ones the you know so there is a rapid test there too like widely available to people of course gotta pay but the good thing is that our money there was kind of quadruple so you can take advantage of this Mm -hmm. so uh, i would like test myself every time i feel like i need it you know just to feel safe or sometimes I want to like to uh, like we went to a trip to our beach house so we 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 tested after when we came back just to make sure things are well you know but uh like if you go and you rely on the public system it takes like uh three days to get the results and you have to go in a line and book but you can just pay in some like private clinic and, and have it which is like 90% 90% of the population, I would say 90%, that's a big number, rely on the, on the privates. Like you're gonna know Brazilians and you're gonna ask them like, do you have a private uh, health uh, insurance? They're gonna say yes, most of them because we rely on the public system was always a struggle, not just in the COVID time. So, but become a political thing. And, and this, is the, the, this is the side of the subject that I don't wanna go through because I hate politics. You know, even though we have to live with it, we have sometimes to do some politics, but to me, like I think, like things, it's just too much, man. It's just too much. Yeah, I think you said the most important thing, though. Like you went down there to to live. You guys were being cautious. You guys were doing the best you could with, with the situation, but you're also, you know, taking advantage of everything that you could to kind of, you know, have the cohorts train. Exactly. be cautious when you needed to you know like take a test if you needed to and exactly. then do all the that's things a, that, that you that's what to. I, that's sorry to interrupt you, but this yeah, is yeah. What, what what makes me uh, very disappointed with the the government here because it doesn't give like people like uh, the trust to say like oh, look these places are here they have a reputation this, those are business they're like a martial arts academy like we don't want to damage people like a uh, health we don't want to be holding ourselves accountable for people's death so mm-hmm. we, we could easily set up like cohorts and, and be really, and, and we believe in also in the responsibility and also in, in our students are the martial arts code, but in other activities too, because at the end of the day, everybody kept doing it mm-hmm. underground, yeah. yeah you know, and then how come like uh, up there on the office, they, they, they couldn't figure out that. I'm pretty yeah. sure there's people that work for the government in the office that that was part of some underground activity. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, 100%. I, did, I mean, I, like, 100%. Yeah, like, Pat, Pat, Patrick Brown got caught playing hockey when this whole fucking thing happened. <laughs> you understand, so it's, like, it's like such a like, okay, for you guys, like you guys don't do it, but you know, I know I can I can trust myself. I have a, like a, a, a good way to do it. I know, I know everything's gonna be fine. It's like, you trust your judgment, but you cannot trust your judgment of your population. That's not fair, that's not fair, but. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel do? like everything's just, everything's just gone underground it's kind of like terminator where like everybody's underground like (laughs) skynet's watching us and all this stuff but yeah i think the one thing i think 
what you mentioned is I'm getting political as well, but I, I think the main issue is, sorry. <laughs> I, I think the main, the main issue I find is like, you know, the, the healthcare system and I'm just speaking in Ontario in general was already pretty overloaded. And then it's just like, you're taking like a cup of a water and you're just pouring it into like something that's already overflowing. So yeah. I think there has to be other alternatives. I think there has to be like in the future, I hope there's other alternatives or something else is in place. So that way something like this doesn't happen again. And, you know, other businesses have to kind of, you know, pay, so to speak, pay the, pay the price for, you know, what's happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's deep because then we go down to like, uh, how about the people who lose their lives? So nobody want to lose a family member. You know, I agree with that too, you know, and then, and then like, we cannot put business on in front of like lives and okay, I agree. I agree with that too. But it just got to a point where there was like, there is still like no trust. So not even like there's no data to even support some of, of, of the, the, the restrictions that are being made, you know? So like things that are, they're so obviously uh, avoidable, but let's change the topic. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk right. something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, I know so, this is the hot thing, but you know, no, 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 no. the hot but topic, like, and there's, one there's thing, a lot to say about it. The one thing I wanted now. to ask you, though, is like, um, and and then, but I think it's just because you had the experience to be there. What kind of things did you see where it'd be like, okay, this is something I can do, and I know when I feel I feel confident, especially when you're able to get back into the club and work with your students. What kind of like the like the one thing you're like, okay, this is what's going to work for the, even if it's just for the meantime. I'm excited to go do this that maybe you can take from there that you experience from from jujitsu or from, from no from like being in brazil obviously having a safe environment that you were and then bringing that back here and going this is what we're I gonna guess, do I, I guess the cohorts i just don't yeah. know how, how like how much people will accept that here because uh, there's no easy access to tests because the cohorts, I think they're, they're work, they work amazing. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, well, we did something similar in the beginning when we opened, we successfully did. And when I say we, I, I'm talking about like all the OJA member academies, because yeah. I think we have like a one or two cases in the case where in my gym and the guy had, uh, had been infected with COVID in a party. And so he let us know and we were able to trace down and right away let everybody that was in this morning class to know and nobody got it other than the guy. And it was so easy to manage. And we did one day deep clean, we tasked everybody, everything was great. We came back and then two weeks after everybody was great again. So I, I guess the cohorts like instead like just have designated partners, we can we can easily have 25, 20 people training together. You know, especially athletes, they're like uh, you know, you know, the pro guys, quote unquote and pro, because it's so hard to today to define yourself as a pro in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm -hmm. Me, myself, for example, that's another thing we can talk to. It's like I never consider myself a pro jiu-jitsu a competitor, even when I could be a pro i never consider myself a pro but uh you know because people will be like more cautious about it will be more like of course there's always some reckless people but we can tell who they are you know especially like the and then that's the time to the leadership to you know to have like a more strict 
rules on how you're going to be dealing with things and track people down by watching what they're doing and things like that. So I, I guess the cohorts would be something that we, we can easily apply here, especially in Canada. It's, a, it's, you know, like we are great people, man. It's like, look what the government did with us and everybody pretty much comply with everything. There's always like uh, people who don't comply here and there, but it's like the majority of the population comply with things. And this is what I feel again. Uh, they treat us unfairly. They not give it a chance to us to like to keep like uh, doing the least of our lives because that's not just about the money. Because like for some of the reasons they think, oh, like we do a program here, we do a grant here. It's not about that. It's the lifestyle. There's people they're now back in drugs. The people they're now back like a drinking. There's people they're now like a deeply depressed, and now they want to invest like a billions of dollars. In, in in like a mental health program, like that doesn't make sense. Why you make people sick in the first first place? You know, the number of opioid users, users are like way much higher. So that's why like, a, it's, it's, it's just like a suicide. Everything is like, okay, you didn't lose people for COVID, but you lose people to other reasons. It, it's, it needs to find a balance. There's some areas that could be given like some trust. Because we were asking, so I got sick to talk to the OJA members, like at some point in some meeting, I was trying to explain that we should be fighting for things before they even happen. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really have a strong voice on that, that association. I think, like, uh, I'm not really talking trash about them here, but I just don't see a big efforts to really make things happen on that case you know i think it was like more of like let's shut down just wait what's happening there's some a sort of association with other martial arts they're like brazilian jiu-jitsu is unique the way we live through our martial arts is different than wrestling different than judo different than karate and boxing it's totally different it's a different lifestyle most of the competitors are also like the the students you know, it's the, the members of the gym, people who pay to compete, it's different than people who got paid to compete and to like uh, train with the dream of our Olympic medal. We don't have that. This is our lifestyle. This is what we do every day. And there was no trust given to us. And uh, also I didn't see an effort because the, the association has the Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I think there's a huge gap difference in between both. So like we, we didn't have much strength and, and I still not really like a hopeful to any sort of like a program specialized to martial arts instructors. How many of us there are instructors that rely on some like a freelancer such like a, a private classes or working like a ref, as a referee in tournaments? You know, I don't referee in tournament, but I remember when I used to do, sometimes I would account in the tournaments that happened because I knew it would make that little money. It would have yeah. helped me, it would support me to do things. And then there's like out of the out of the blue, we don't have any tournament going on. We don't have no, but like there's no program for these people other than the CERB yeah. or, you know, but like who tells you that you make that CERB money? You're going to have now to like uh, go back to your parents' house. And this can be like a deep, like a family issue. Or you can you have to like to me roommate with somebody. There's a bad influence to you, but it's the only one. There's tons of stories. I know because I'm a teacher of like over 700 students, and I got messages that make me depressed. That's why like I pretty much ran away. Sometimes I f I felt like a little coward going going back home, but I felt like I need to protect my energy too. Otherwise, mm -hmm. maybe they would have lose me because I would have quit Canada. I would have said like, man, I'm gonna 
look for my future in someone else. Because there's just a, uh, until some point you can complain about the circumstances you live. Because yeah. at some point it's like, a, it's your duty to do something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and no, uh, I know, uh, I, I know you hate getting political, but I got to ask like one more thing, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> is so from like the OJA standpoint and the government standpoint, I guess it's kind of like a two point question. Um, what would you like to see from either like, let's say like the provincial or the federal government kind of going forward to kind of either help out, you know, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu schools or martial arts schools and in Ontario in, in, in general, and also like, what are some things you would like to see maybe more from like the OJA too, or what can more fights like for that? us, more fights, not just the fact that try to see when we're going to open this like a program to rebuild academies, program to rebuild the tournaments, programs, programs to martial arts instructors at all the levels, like, you know what I mean? They can't develop this, but you have to sit your ass on a freaking thing and work. And you know what I mean? It's like most of the guys are part of the association. They have side works, not like me. I'm a full-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructor. That's all I do. I don't have like, I don't work in, in some business. I'm not uh, employed by the government. I'm not employed by anything. I don't have trucks. I don't have nothing. That's what I do, Jiu-Jitsu. So I was unable to provide to my family, basically. If I didn't have support, you know what I mean? Which like a Toronto BJJ, it, it, it gave me like an like incredible support, Hyperfly Canada, plus my family. And of course my life, I, I save it. But I have to like to, to put down like uh, things that I didn't want. That was part of my plan. All right, great. This is like, but I know there's other people who like are really suffering with that and still suffering. They're maybe even changing the way they're dreaming or their lives, which is part of life. That's okay. But if the government is doing so much for like a, uh, restaurants for other business we need to have our voice there we need to like uh, and then this is what i think they miss it to to make our voice heard it's like how many meetings we have we have almost no meetings they never like uh, like we, they have to make like a pose and ask people what's going on oh but this is too much work so it's a moment <laughs> of crisis this is time work. for you to step up yeah, yeah. and to show why yeah. you're there you know like your real ideology and, and I don't want to be there discussing. If they hear that, I don't care too. What are they going to do? They're going to ban me from jujitsu. I don't give a fuck. Like literally, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Because I know what I do. I know how much I put for jujitsu, especially in this country and this province, how much I did for Brazilian jujitsu. And, uh, and I'm going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? And, and if they like it or not, my opinion, they didn't even ask because they know they're going to hear some shit like that. So whatever. You know, I think we'll I think we'll leave the political talk at that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah talk, exactly. When was that? When was the last time you were in Brazil, and when was the last time you competed in Brazil before your previous? Yeah. So every time I was coming back, I was uh, in Brazil in 2019, uh, 2020. I came yeah. back in February, something like that. So like right before, in uh, end of January, right before this whole thing exploded, and uh, and everything was fine there. But I, I always go in high season, which I mean like high summer. So there's like in Brazil, like the the, 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 the Christmas and, and New Year's is big things. And then right after it comes Carnaval. So that there's not much tournaments there. The gyms are not so busy. And, I, and honestly, I go there tired from the whole year of work. I want to like chill. I train, but like not as much as as, as I used to, but this time I went and I like, like I got there in February in a pandemic. So there was, there was, there was no, like, I didn't came there for like vacation. So I need to create a routine for myself. That's what like, uh, and, and, and we, as we, we spoke before, 
I didn't want it to be also like a being reckless, just going all over the place to train. So I have like a lot of like affiliates there. I have a lot of friends there. I have like a lot of like, I have like my home gym, which I visit one time because it's like in a totally different neighborhood than where I stay. I don't want like to create this, this problem to be going all over the place, getting public mm -hmm. transport for like maybe catch the virus for no reason. So I try yeah. to bubble myself in an area that I know where I was going and trying to be cautious. So, and I was very responsible. That's why I chose to, to train at, uh, that's one of the reasons that I chose to train at, uh, at Checkmat because I have friends there and, and it was like literally five minutes from where, where I stayed there. And, uh, and, then, and then the last time I competed was pretty much before I come to Canada in 2007, because in 2008, I only competed in MMA and I went to, I came to States before I come to Canada. I spent like, uh, like maybe April, like end of March, April and half of May in San Diego. And then I, I, I moved up to Canada. So like since 2007, I didn't have the pleasure to compete in, the, in Brazil. It was, it was quite special. So I know like it's kind of bittersweet, like going to Brazil now, you know, during a pandemic, everything that's happened in Canada. Um, so how, how did that feel? Because it's been a long time. You've done a lot of, I think, a lot of major tournaments in, in Brazil as well, previously to moving to Canada as well. Tell us a little bit about those. Uh, before I moved to Canada, I would like just be a, uh, competing everything I could possibly compete. So I, I just, I just love Jiu-Jitsu so much, you know, that I, I always want to be part of like a, every competition that can, my body can handle now. But before it's like, I want to compete everything. So I compete everything in Brazil. You can pass, you can imagine like uh, from very shady tournaments, underground tournaments in, in a favela with no gear in, you know, on top of a ring, pretty much like a underground fight to like uh, Brazilian nationals, ADCC trials, like you name it, every single tournament, like and all over Brazil, South, North, like an MMA, Jiu-Jitsu. I, 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 I can't complain, man. I, I put it on the line there. I, I, I love it. And I did everything I could and everything I wanted. What are some of the things that could have stood out to you before you left? Uh, like, what are some tournament highlights? What are some, like, kind of like your favorite memories there of competing? My favorite memories, like, uh, the world, all, every single world championship was, was amazing to compete because it was always that, uh, that tournament who kind of pretty much leads the year, you know. It's like the, the, the year starts after the World Championships, you know, like it was like the main event and compete at Tijuca Tennis Club and see my, my professors like, uh, and, and have, the, have, have to be on the mats in the, in the moments that my, my teachers, like such a like, you know, Hoyle Saulo, like competing and winning and like see like all the stars like coming right off. And, and I was very lucky also to work at the tournaments. So I would like be a referee. I will like do everything, like carry the mats, those puzzle mats when they start. First time we have the, the flip boards. It was an incredible experience to see Jiu Jitsu grow in front of my eyes. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I was just a teenager and I remember at the second world championships, like uh, I have like a, a talk with Megaton. We have like a great Shijuka world jiu-jitsu camps in, in, in our gym because we have like a biggest mat and, and Megaton would have come to me and say like, man, you got to learn how to speak English. And, 
and 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 you got to move out because the 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 future is going to be a board like it's it's going to grow so much and then i remember i have like 17 years old i took that advice and from that moment i was just a blue belt i just put every single thing in my power to learn how to speak english learn how to teach and uh earn as many as much experience as i could possibly earn to one day move to to another country and 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 help and contribute to the growth of jiu-jitsu so you mentioned before, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. So you mentioned before you kind of like because you went to the states first. You were doing MMA, and then you kind of eventually made your way up to Canada. So how did that transition happen? Okay, so uh, at some point, and uh, I was competing a lot of jujitsu, and then Saulo Saul Hibiru, my he was my main professor at the point. We were all together in, in this gym called the Grace Chijuka, right? So it's a big dojo where we have like a classes all all the time. And uh, and in about 2000, I, I I joined like I started to go to university, like uh, with like a scholarship that one of my big friends in Jiu-Jitsu, Leticia Ribeiro, uh, found for her, and then she she found a way to give to everybody, and then I was one of the the ones who got the benefit. Which like we pay a very little fee being part of the scholarship, and there was a chance to go to university, so I love it. So, but that uh, refrain your time, okay. And then at the same time, Salo was like uh, setting up his own academy in in the in in the, in the neighborhood of Copacabana, which is different than Tijuca. It's kind of like uh, Mississauga and in say. Riverdale kind of thing or Danforth okay. kind of that difference of speed like you know and in in my school the university was like totally let's say Oakville right so okay. kind of three different points if it's kind of like that so and then I started to train a lot in Copacabana and I was only being a jiu-jitsu competitor. I always have in the back of my mind to be an MMA fighter, to fight like Valitude back then. We didn't even call MMA. We called Valitude because my friends were already competing there. Fabricio Camões, he, he made UFC, Christian Marcel, which is like, mm-hmm. was one of the black belts who gave the belts to Shogun, to Vanderlei, big name in shooting box. So these guys were competing already. And then in Copacabana, we have this uh, uh, Muay Thai master who shared the gym with us called uh, you know, and this guy's legendary Brazil. He fought with like a Vanderlei Silva in the, in the beginning. So he had like some like a crazy camp going on there. So like I joined because I want to start to learn how to strike too. And then I remember this was in 2003. I was still brown belt. I was competing a lot in jiu-jitsu. And then and then at some point in some of the camps for like some MMA competition, some of the guys say like, man, you ready to compete in MMA? Because I was doing sparring some of the guys and the guys in my weight, I was, you know, dealing really well. And and then, but the solo was like, no, man, you got to wait to get a black belt. You know, we're very like a romantic back in the day with that. But then Salo moved to the States and I was like, oh man, I can't wait for that. So in 2004, I started to fight MMA. And then I really, I really loved the, the adrenaline of MMA because I was getting uh, tired of jiu-jitsu. And because jiu-jitsu, it's, it's kind of like a cruel for you, you know, like a, you sometimes you, you go, you make a competition. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving any excuse here. I guess I, I gave my best every time and every chance I have. 
but but I'm not like as good as some guys that I had to compete against it like most of my 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 belts like for example I lost to André Galvão in, in Brazilian national finals I lost to Marcelo Garcia in quarterfinals I lost to like a uh, name Jacarés like for, like second match at world championships it was always so hard like Robert Dice the in semifinals of worlds like it's like you know what I mean like I always getting these big names and, and losing for them and, and and sometimes you don't even get like a little mention of your name and then you got a little like a, a you lose motivation you don't get unmotivated but you lose a little bit of the motivation and, and also become very hard to even get a sponsor because like back then there was no like like today we have this incredible thing called internet and the phone you can you can make your name if you start to get rich you know people like people get to know you and then you make things happen look we have your guys show you don't need to wait for anybody to give you the permission to make it you're like i want to do it you, you did it and then you are able more to like control how much people can get it so then like for like an athlete like your visibility is very very important and you cannot you can you get nothing you know other, other than respect on the community you get nothing only the top guys will get something but if you fight mma you end up at least getting paid for the fight you make because the training i, I like i'm gonna tell you like there's mma fights i made in my life winning or losing like three rounds of like pure like a madness that I've, i tell you that i got more physically stress and mentally stress in some like uh three fights world championships like as black belts or 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 brazilian nationals they're like much harder than that they're much harder than fighting mma fight i don't know and now things change so much but it's still like dudes like you go like for a jiu-jitsu tournament it's like i'm like now masters three like doing like five fights three fights it's like, it's like with dudes they're like as strong as you you know what i mean it's like yeah and, and then if you're adult sometimes you like purple belts i see these guys they go like man it's like one two three four five six seven matches yeah it's like to get a battle <laughs> going to going to masters worlds is crazy because like through the color belts it's like okay you're you're fighting people like your age your like your age your weight class and all that and then it's like once you get the black belt it's like Okay, I'm fighting like for me, for example, I'm like, okay, I'm fighting Rafael Lovato. I'm fighting like, yeah. like how the hell did I end up here? Yeah, it's like, but like, uh, and then like I was, and then that, that was uh, not the money, but the motivation came from like, uh, at least here, like people recognize my hard work because you start like people to respect you even more. And not that I want to earn respect, but I want people to respect my work, my work ethic. Because I was really trying to, to to achieve my space to get to gain my space in the community. So like, look, I, I want to work too. I want opportunities too. And like, my gym has like a lot of superstars. I mean, guys that were like winning shit for real. So, and then the MMA was something great for me, and I love the fights, the 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 the, the train, the camp. Like, uh, you know, the adrenaline is a totally different adrenaline than than, than a jiu-jitsu fight. I start because I compete so much in jiu-jitsu. At some point, like, I, I was not getting excited by the the adrenaline. That's one of the fears for a fighter. You need to be excited. You need to be like a willing to win. You know, and mm -hmm. the MMA brought me back all this, and brought me back also. It was a, a huge uh, jujitsu uh, reborn because I was so jujitsu competition oriented training, everything I was doing that my jujitsu got poor. 
you know, all I was doing, like trying to find a way to find a new sweep. But the MMA, I remember my, my training back then, like I and then going with Vinny Aieta, which was one of my mentors in MMA. Vinny Aieta, for the ones who don't know, is like another of uh, one of the black belts that are responsible for the Grace Juca and one of the main teachers at Grace Maita. And he, he run came for Hoyle and et cetera. So, and then to have that experience of Valitudo with Vinny, which is the classic Jiu Jitsu, it's like, you're now talking about not like an MMA like we see today. We're talking about like a, a classic Valitudo. Like I had the opportunity to train with Hickson, with, with Hoyler, and, and, and that for me was like a pure gold because I started to understand Jiu-Jitsu in another dimension. I started to see that Jiu-Jitsu was not just go for the tournaments and win medals. You got what I'm saying? It was much more beyond that. It was just, you guys see my, my daughter crying here. She's just laying down and crying. Sorry about that. That's okay. Don't worry. We, we all have kids now. We, we, we understand. I think my son's just watching a movie upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that, that experience was incredible and, and something that, you know, no money would have paid me for this, no medal. That's why, like, uh, to me, I had a dream to be a world champion, to be a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion, an adult level. As, as you know, because I won a world masters. I won, like, some, like, uh, two times a no-gi uh, worlds. But, uh, but it's not the same. I know it's not the same at all. I never, oh, my God, I won the world. Like, I got happy. I got really happy to win all of those competitions. But uh, the, the biggest change was actually in, in, in the second world championships I competed. That was blue belt, that was 1999. And I believe that uh, I, I could win that world. It was like, uh, I, I had competed like a world in, in 97 and the trials back in the day, we have trials, not like before the worlds. Like if you're not like a real state champion or if you're not your state champion or national champion or the world champions for next year, you have to go to trials. Mm -hmm. And then you do the trials a week before the worlds and the next week is worlds. So I make the trials in 97 I lost. And in 98, I lost my second match and, uh, and then in 99, I was real estate champion. So I got my spot and I have come from like uh, several tournaments that I was winning everything. Pretty much one fight, I, I, I won by points, but I was just submitting, submitting, submitting. I was like ready for purple. You know, when you're like, this guy's gonna win. I, I'm like, yeah, and then you go on a training and doing really well with the purple belts. We have, I have like a great training partners back then. Like a, one of remarkable ones, like a Daniel Moraes, which he won that year as purple. So Shanji Hibir was purple. You know, like uh, with this kind of training partner, you're like, man, it's going to be a walk in the park. I'm here to collect my medal. That's how, that's my thought that day. And I won the first match. I won the second match. And the third match, I fought against a guy that I had competed like a week, literally a week before, and I had beat him. And the match was zero, 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 zero. And he ended up like uh we're getting the raft decision i got in a deep depression i got i got shame i i, I feel like I, I i couldn't see anybody it was that that big like uh you know i was a crybaby and i want to lock myself in the room i make all these things that sometimes we hear about and but i realized that's like uh maybe i i spent one week to go back to the gym but when i go to the gym and people like don't even care about it you know and, and and then and then when that happened, 
you, you're just like, uh, what's going on? You know what I mean? It's like nobody cares. So that's why sometimes you guys are going to see me posting this so many times. Nobody cares. Work harder. Nobody cares. Nobody yeah. cares. It's not that people don't like you. People don't care that you lost. People want you to win. But people have their lives. You know, I started to realize that people were talking about different things. It's the work, the wife's. And I was sitting there like uh, thinking that I would have gotten in the gym and people would say, oh man, you lost the world. Oh my God, everybody expects you to win. You were doing so well. I want to hear that to comfort myself, you know, and then I'm going to come with like, yeah, that referee, he's so bad. He could have given the call to you. And I was that referee. Okay. Did I ref your fight in Brazil, man? Like, really? <laughs> no, I remember who was. I remember who was until today. It was uh, Roberto Bebel Duarte. That hurt okay. me. But like, to the, by the way, yeah, that was one of the best things he did for myself because I didn't like, I, I should have win the fight, should have submit the guy. The guy was on top holding and that's it. But that's not the key. The key was like that I realized that that was not everything. So that I have to be there for myself because then I realized I was there more like to get the recognition of people to be like, yeah, you won the world championship. Like I was not winning to me. You know, I miss to be there for myself just because I like it, the spirits, the, 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 the fight, the blood, the, the winning. Because like mm -hmm. a, when you fight, you need to be willing to win. You know what I mean? Not just going there and hope that you're going to win. And I think I, I thought I had won already, which is worse than that. I thought like I was so much better than everybody that I would have made it in that division. It was mine. And it's not like that. You got to go there. You got to earn it again. Like it doesn't matter. It's like three fights, one fight, two fights. Like you, and you want to only win the tournament at the very last match. So, uh, there are, so I learned so much in that tournament and that changed the way I saw everything. So I started like to train Jiu-Jitsu jiu -jitsu different. And in my point of view, I started to see Jiu-Jitsu much better. And then I didn't, I, it didn't hold me because I was becoming that obsessed guy Jiu-Jitsu. Nothing against who it is. Some people are gonna feel their call is like, uh, do nothing but just train Jiu-Jitsu. I don't know, like, uh, it's very remarkable when people post that, you know, the Miao brothers say like, yeah, man, do you have any hobbies? It's like, no, just Jiu-Jitsu. If this is what makes him happy, great. But for me, that was not what making me happy. Not because I had the risk to lose, but because I also want to experience other things in life. And Jiu-Jitsu was showing me that, like, I still can experience life and compete that I don't need to try to create this unbeatable guy that don't lose. And yeah, losses will be in the way, but you, you should be able to like stand up, see what you did wrong and come back, come back stronger and, and get wiser and get better. So then I start to appreciate all my losses. Of course, it was a big walk of maturity until like even like the MMA make this like much better. But in Jiu-Jitsu in, in a general way, I start to enjoy more Jiu-Jitsu because I start to like to enjoy more life. I was a happier person. Like before it was that grumpy blue belt. Of course I was younger. And but but have that maybe if I had won that tournament, everything would have been different in my life. Maybe I would even lose the taste for jiu-jitsu. Who knows? You know, and I think that loss really woke me up to like look, guys, there's more life in jiu-jitsu. And I try like to 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 pass that for my students today because I see, especially in the lower belts, like some blue belts, even purples, that sometimes they come in a good run. And they, they go in, in some world championships and I'm like, dude, bro, you might lose. You might do everything right and you go there, there's a bad call, there's a mistake you make in the moment, you might lose. And that cannot affect who you are 
and what you do in jiu-jitsu because you can keep doing jiu-jitsu for the rest of your life and compete which is more important and 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 and, and enjoy life because otherwise you become miserable and then jiu-jitsu start to give you fear the fear of losing the fear of losing to me it, it can be only measured in competition that's why I, I, I advocate so much for competition, even being like, a, I'll consider myself a classic jiu-jitsu fighter. I don't like to consider myself old school jiu-jitsu fighter because old school is somebody that locks himself in an old mentality. And, and, and I'm open. I like to learn everything. But some stuff, I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Because I know my body can handle or I just don't like it. But I want to learn it. So, you know, sometimes I sit down with Nathan, man, he's so, so incredible moves. But that doesn't mean that I have to start to try to do that right away in the training. I know myself, of course, playing around there, joking around. But if you see me competing, I'm going to compete. I know exactly what I'm going to do. The match is their blueprint. But, uh, but if you don't compete, like I, I always advocate for that, and especially for my students, uh, not, you don't need to become like those crazy competitors, compete every weekend, you know what I mean? Because it's hard to live like that. But like uh, an average Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner should be competing at least twice a year, once at least. Why? Because it's the only moments that you face yourself. Like in the gym, you will see there will be like a, when we got in Jiu-Jitsu, okay? Remember that, I try to tell this to people. What's the experience when you start? You start doing Jiu-Jitsu and then you feel like that huge evolution, right? It's just like yeah. up, upward, da, da, da. You, you get in better shape, you're learning every like a movement, arm bar chokes and, and you start to get like, wow, how incredible is this? Why didn't you start early? And then maybe you compete the first time and it's like, and then like, I don't know if you got, we remember those butterflies that, that, that goosebumps when you have, when, you, when the, your professor go and match you with this guy and that guy, Right, but then as the time comes, we jujitsu is incredibly uh, efficient, and then you be, you learn your your comfort zone, you you learn a game, and it even worse. Sometimes you just don't want to uh, challenge yourself, so you know the guys you should duck. You go here, oh, you know I'm hurt, I'm not very good today, and you start to give yourself this. It's natural, and I try to make people like don't think that this is doesn't happen it happens with everybody it's very hard to have that the, the, the power the willpower to every day challenge yourself in the training even because it's not healthy if every day you make training like a, a world championship practice you're like how long you're gonna end up in jiu-jitsu very soon you stop because you're gonna have so many injuries and i become like a hostile environment so you, you're not longer in a place you like to be because every time it's competing against somebody and this is not healthy but when you put a competition in place, now you can, you know, take a look at your mistakes in a different way because you want to get better for a day, a specific day where you're going to try your very best. And when you're losing, that makes you face from the day you register to the tournament until the day you're going to compete. And then we're also going to give you the break until the next competition. And, and, and I think this, the process is what makes you better. The mental process is not just the, the techniques, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I, I like a lot of people say like, a lot of people come to me and say, oh, George, I want a private class with you. And then like first time they gonna, I'm gonna ask, you know, ask, uh, make like some sort of like uh, questions like about Jiu-Jitsu like, oh, I want you to show me this, this and that. I'm like, why? Like wh what tells you that if you learn this, you're gonna become better? 
if you're like, you can learn all the moves of chess, my friend, but if you don't have the right strategy, if you don't have the right way to think, you're not going to be able to apply it. So it's the same with Jiu-Jitsu. It's the best analogy in Jiu-Jitsu, chess, you know, because it's a game of, uh, of, of emotional control. If, you're, if you don't learn how to control your emotions, you try the wrong move in the wrong moment. You know what I mean? And then you, you're going to end up coming like with mistakes. And if you don't control emotions, it's very hard for you to end up having pleasure with the practice because you're going to start to like to be mad when you lose to people in the training because now you see as a loss. You don't see as an experience anymore. And then, oh, George, but the competition make it worse. Yeah, make it worse. But because you put yourself in a shark tank, when you go back to the gym, the gym become like a, just a, a little aquarium. And then you swim better there. And that's going to increase your confidence. When you go back to the competition, you're now a much better person. And you have to learn how to control your emotions during this whole process. Now you're a better human. Because when you compete more, you like uh, you have like a lot of tricks to control your anxiety, to control like uh, your, your your ego when you win, your to pump yourself up when you lose. Because you now know you have to practice those emotions, otherwise you're gonna quit. You're gonna say, ah, man, this day of compete, this is not for me, man. I'm not 22 anymore. Why am I gonna be doing this? Because you're gonna compete master three because you're going to compete masters four you don't need to go adult you know what i mean that's the yeah thing. I, I think i think those days might be behind me now yeah <laughs> for me too my friend you know what i mean like so you understand but 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 i still have to like think about so what kind of strategy i'm going to use how i'm going to control my emotion it's like it's a big lie people say like oh i don't feel nothing but i compete yeah you do feel you just know how to control it everybody has fear but yeah. you know how to control it, you know, and the more you understand how to, your, how to control yourself, the, the more you understand, like, if I lose, I know it's going to be fine. I'm going to be okay, man, the, the better you become. And, and this is one of the reasons that when we, we, we found our own association, we call Jiu-Jitsu for life. Because not because Jiu-Jitsu forever, because Jiu-Jitsu for life, for a life application. So to me, all those principles, in all this practice of emotional control is what will make difference in people's life. Sometimes people don't feel and they have this by default, but if you're conscious about what you're doing and why you're doing, a lot of people ask me how you can put like 70 people to compete in a tournament, how you can make like, a, like I don't know, 60, 47 people travel down to New York to compete a tournament to a Chicago because they know what they're doing. They're doing for themselves. Some people might don't know and just, oh, everybody's going, I'm going. But most of my guys, that my masters and even like the adults, they understand what I'm trying to pass in it. And, and, and the, their performance is totally in their hands. I'm, I'm like, I am no longer responsible for anybody's problem. Do you think I, I teach Nathan the Santos? Dave Mosley. I don't teach those guys. They teach me. All I do for them is guide them through the path because I've been there before. In every single step of the road, a little bit more ahead, I still going to be ahead of them because I, I, I did and I came back just to bring them there. And if they want to, whatever they want to achieve is going to be them. So that's why like, uh, people say, oh, you build this guy. No, he built himself. And this is the thing. No professor is responsible. You can be like a big, a big, uh, uh, a big like supporter. You know what I mean? But uh, the, the, the hard work of the person is what makes them better. You know what I mean? 
but guide them through the, the path is, is important. That's my paper as a, a, a professor, as a coach. So when you look at like, obviously like BJJ has so many, and I'm sure you've met so many different types of huge influences in your life that kind of push you in just directions. Like if you kind of had to like, not necessarily pick one, but it's like, who's been like the biggest influencers for yourself on like the path that you've been on? Helio Gris. Okay. There's no, there's no better, like Helio and Carlos Gris, Carlos Gris, the three ones I have in a picture, because after that, it comes like most of the people that taught me directly, but I see them as the biggest influences because I was listening to my teachers talking about them. Mm-hmm. You understand? And then I was so curious about them that I always researched as much as possible. I was very blessed. And when I see that as a blessing to be able to one day be in the room with Master Helio, Professor Helio, a few times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like maybe six or seven. I don't, I'm not so lucky as some guys that have classes with him, but I... I could experience and I remember to every single of those experiences to be something like a wow something that it stays on my mind you know what I mean I can pretty much like a recall most of the words that he speak he would not like just talk he would like come out to say something you know what I mean that was actually like whoa wait a second that makes a lot of sense especially when you get older and you start to re- remember so of course Hickson Gracie Salo Ribeiro in Jiu-Jitsu, it's, it's, it's iconic the way he, he made us back in the day, like train and, and my, my professor Vinicius Aieta, but I, I love to listen to like Fabio, Fabio, uh, Fabio Gugel. It's, it's, it's like, man, it's like listening to Fabio Gugel, it's just like gold, like Carlos Gracie Jr. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, a, I, I can see the value of uh, Danaher, but I'm not like a big fan of that style of over-intellectualized jiu-jitsu. I think jiu-jitsu, because I'm not like a very smart guy, you know, I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> so uh, like when, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> when it comes with all this, like, oh, because like this, and I'm like, I oh, mean, I can't hear this, you know, but, but you know what? I, they, I see that as an asset for me. You understand? I don't see that bad. This is self-awareness, bro. I need to know who I am. I'm not going to try to play the super intellectual guy because that's not George. George is like, look, you need to tell me simple what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? The simple, the better for me. And that's the way I like it. So, and I try to pass my students, simple, the better. So can I tell you something? I speak like maybe 97% of people's language because there's 3% of people that are highly gifted. The other ones... Or they know they're not highly gifted and they're going to be hard workers or they're going to be pretending they are so amazing, incredible, and but they just don't want to work hard for it. You know what I mean? How many guys in Jiu-Jitsu guys know like that? Oh, yeah, I know everything. Yeah, I know all the positions. I know all that. But you know what I mean? I just I just thought it's not my really my thing. It's like the bullshit. They just not because they can't fucking far, far, uh, like work hard because it's a, it's, it's a gruel shit. It's like you got to like, man, you're trained. You got to train. You know what I mean? Like uh, at Toronto BJJ, you know what I mean? And I hope most of the schools for Jiu-Jitsu for Life, there's no bullshit training. If you guys go there and visit, there will be like, yeah, we flow, yeah, we flow, but flow well. You know what I mean? I don't oh, like well. you. If you choke me, <laughs> choke me for real. You know what I mean? Like, there's no yeah. like, uh, hey, no, man, it's like uh, in the positions there, we try to learn everything, but like for real. Like, you know, mm-hmm. not, you don't, don't need to be world championships every time. But you know, when it's a real training, when it's not, you know what I mean? Maybe we're not the best guys. 
train with resistance, right? Like yeah. you, you can't just yeah. go, okay, look, uh, look, here's an Americana, you're done. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here like talking to anybody does different, okay? I'm just telling what we do. I, I cannot speak for other people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm talking no, about, you know, like I'm not criticizing that. That's the other thing too. Like I'm not really like a lot of, a lot of people get to worry about what others are doing. You know, I think we should be focused on ourselves, you know, not being selfish, but like, a look, do your thing, do it the best possible way you can help other people and move on, you know? Yeah. And that's the, 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 the thing that will like take us far in life. You know, gotta you stop to try to see how other people are doing. Oh, these guys are doing really well. Let me see what they're doing. Or criticize what people do just because you don't do as as well as them. That's not fair, you know. And so, and it's a a way to slow your life because we have so so little to do, man. It's like life is too short. Yeah. You know, like a, a life is ridiculously short, and we have to like to try to make the best out of the time we have. Yeah, especially for a guy hyperactive like me. <laughs> <laughs> one of uh, one of the last things I want to ask you is: yes. uh, so when you when you came to Canada in about two thousand eight, two thousand nine, uh, the tournament scene here and the evolution of that up into twenty twenty, and I've I've talked to a lot of people like you know like Fernando Zulik, uh, Tony Isaacs, a lot of them you know are very active in the tournament scene then, and of course they, they still are now. Uh, they both mentioned your name as somebody who had a, a major influence on you know, bringing the, you know, the level of the on, Ontario tournament scene up to where it was now. So like, what were, what were some of the things you saw then that you were like, Ooh, what the hell are you guys doing and up until like now where you're like, Hey, like, you know, things are a lot more the, better organized. The funny thing that I got a lot of animosity because people would have seen my criticism as a uh, just a plain criticism because they, like, they didn't yeah. people it's didn't know me like they're in like it's like oh yeah. what the hell are you guys doing like and, 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 and i actually i remember having like some conversation with josh and like a dude these guys here are so brave because they don't know shit and they do it and when i say that <laughs> but when i say that I, I appreciate it yeah because how many times in my life i didn't know the shit i was doing and i just did it several times mm -hmm. we all do this and these guys were like uh, with what they have they were doing already and because I was so hungry as I got here, and man, I've been working in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournaments since I'm 14. When I got here, the point I got here, I already had work in most of the world Jiu-Jitsu championships. I have running my annual events in Brazil, and I work for most of the federations and most of the tournaments there. You know what I mean? Do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was an investment I did in my life. I want to learn how to do tournaments to one day when I move to other country, I will be doing it. It was not something. But as you got here, you don't have people credibility. But luckily, I have a guy like Josh who believed in all my crazy ideas. Like I was trying to prove him I had the credibility to do when I got in contact with the guys from IBGGF and he started to see the emails. He's like, okay, so like, let's gonna do one event and we're gonna show people that I'm capable to run events. It's like, what do you need? So he pulled down, he sponsored everything. And we did the first Copa Ontario. I don't remember, I think it was in May of 2009. It's like pretty much a year I was here. But before I had done like a events, in-house events in the academy to, to like build the skills of the, the ring coordinators like this. We didn't have any of those. We still like the, what, what, what the tournaments were. Like uh, Tony was pretty much helping people to do tournaments with the wrestling uh, approach. 
which which did not work for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for obviously reasons. Like it's more comp and more is much more people and more divisions. So then, like I remember to come to the tournaments and the, the weigh-in was 7 a.m. and at 7 a.m. they would do the brackets too, and who knows what time we're gonna fight. So we can't grow a sport like that. One a one a.m. on the roof of the building. That's where yeah. that's when they're fighting. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I remember those. I remember you go in, you weigh in first thing in the morning, and then you're, you're if you're a white belt, you're not going to fight until like six o'clock, seven o'clock at night. And you're like, why did necessary. I fucking show up here? But that was necessary. That was necessary because yeah. somebody needs to do something, and they did. And and I appreciate. It. I I came with the idea to add value to the community. I didn't want like to take from anybody, but like people at that moment got so protective and they start to like uh, boycott my events and boycott me. And then people start to like to put on Josh, like some of the responsibility. Oh, Josh, the douchebag, Josh is this. I would get messages of people like, man, you got to stop to work this guy. Otherwise your life won't move. And I'm like, dude, I have nothing to talk about. You got to just do good things for me. He gave me the best opportunity of my life. <laughs> you know what I mean? He worked with me. He wanted to invest in my ideas. So what you talk, you're talking about. And then, of course, you give time. And then I start to see that there that, that, that was more of like that protective idea that some guy is going to come and take my stuff. And, and, but then, like, uh, thank God things just start to get in place. And now we all work pretty much together. Of course, each one has their independent thing. And, uh, of, like, we were, like, one of the best points on, of our jiu-jitsu scenes. Like, I, I, I see, and I'm really proud to say Ontario is the best place in jiu-jitsu in Canada. With all due respect to Alberta, to Vank, to BC, it's like, dude, like we we kill here. If we're like our Ontario team, we're gonna beat every team in Canada. With like because because our scene like uh, have more investment do like overtime, and that one of the reasons that I create the next champ because I really believe in Canada. I believe we can become the powers, and and my one of my lobbies is to bring a Grand Slam here, a Pan American here. For my BGJF, for AJP, as you guys know, I worked with these guys. Yeah. And, and that's my lobby, is to bring the events here. Because we are capable to host the events. We have enough athletes. But the problem is that we don't have media. You see Flow Grappling literally ignore us. How many times I, compl I com complain with Ricardo? Ricardo Medora, big shout for you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but I complain. <laughs> I'm on a few times, yeah. <laughs> but I complain with him. It's like, dude, what, what's wrong with us? We have like a Ontario Open with 2,000 plus competitors and, and not even like uh, some guy with a phone camera to like even like register a little bit. Say, yeah, there was a, like an okay tournament in Ontario. We have like, a, oh, you guys need to win everything. You know how hard it is to win everything? Like to get a guy like to step in a pool in our world championship, especially if he don't have visibility. Why, how do you know that, George? Because I try like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had to side hustle, wake up every day, 4.45 a.m., go to bed at 11 because I have to work to, to, to provide to myself to be able to keep on the mats competing. I cannot make it. It's impossible. You got to train pretty much the whole day. And if you don't have like a visibility to get the sponsors, how are you going to make that? Oh, you guys should create your channels. It's not the same. It's not the yeah, same. Yeah. It's not the same. Like a, we still behind and especially now with all this kind of thing, but like, look, we should not complain. We should shut up and keep working. When things reopen, we have to do what we have to do. You know, like if life made that with us, we have to handle, we have to do it. And that's the only thing we can do, you know? If only there was a podcast out there that would 
create the media that you are talking about uh, here. That's it. So, man, I'm a, you know, but that's it. We, 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 we have to, like, a, a share, spread. If we keep working consistently hard, and if we have, like, a big goals, we aim the stars, whatever we felt is going to be better than just be complaining. That's kind of what I want to say. You know, when I started training jiu-jitsu, I was uh, really early and I remember to buy like a, a tatami magazine. Tatami magazine was kind of like a, one of the, the first uh, magazines in Brazil. And the, the, the cover was Ricardo Liborio against Henko Parduel, one of the first matches in the world championships. So the cover of that, I'm like, one day I'm going to be in the cover that, that day. <laughs> so I didn't make it yet, but man... <laughs> But but to work towards the goal made me so yeah. much better. So then, like uh, today, when I, I, I create like a Jitsu Life team, like Jitsu Life team, gonna be one of the top five teams in the world. People look at me like you crazy. I'm like, dude, you gotta be crazy. What's normal? What is normal? If you are willing to work hard for your dream, if you're willing to sacrifice to actually put on the work and pay the price, dude. You, you have to go, you gotta, you're gonna reach something. And most of everything, you're going to be happy. You know what I mean? I, I refuse myself to be a miserably sad, like uh, in, in, in everything I do in my life, because I wanna just have like a weekend of happiness or three days of happiness, unless something really come to me and uh, I don't know, more than a pandemic and then I have to like stop jujitsu because to me, it's like uh, I decided that jujitsu would be my life for the reason that makes me happy, you know? And it's not just like a, a, a happiness, there's like a thing. It's like, uh, I'm, 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 I'm really happy winning, losing, teaching, like a rolling, like uh, organizing tournaments, uh, you know, posting about jujitsu because I just feel jujitsu is the call for me and I just should keep going. <laughs> no, it's perfect. And you know what? I think if anybody's going to listen to this podcast, that last bit, what you just said about be crazy, be happy, chase yeah. what you're chasing, like that, that's the most important thing. So if anybody can listen to this podcast today, if they're going to take away one thing, I think that's the most important thing that they can take away from this. Well, but what, what's life without happiness? You know what I mean? Like, uh, if yeah. like, uh, one day I heard that from this guy, you know, like in 2013, I started to listen to this guy, Andy Fritchell. He's a, he's a CEO of this company called oh. First Form. Uh, I think oh, like yeah. a, that, that Janine is working with First Form. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah, to see him. So first form is amazing. And then uh, the, the CEO, like you guys should listen to Andy. He's, he's just amazing. And, yeah, and then he told one thing that I really, I hold that. It's like, uh, you don't need permission to be great. If you, if you like something and you want to do great, just go. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to ask your mom, your spouse, your teacher, your friend, like uh, your friends from the college. Uh, it's like, man, screw everybody. Just go for what you love. Do like a, with all your heart and the results will come and 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 if you're happy you're going to evaluate the results you're going to get better but most of all you're going to be doing what makes you happy not what makes your wife happy your uh, you know there of course there's a balance to that mm -hmm. but some people are so unbalanced and like uh, they yeah. stop training jiu-jitsu because yeah. right now i can't train jiu-jitsu anymore because uh my wife gonna get mad 
you need you need a balance but at the end of the day happy wife happy life as they say <laughs> yeah but like but if you like unhappy uh, a, a husband she's gonna that's be a, unhappy wife so she's yeah, not happy. exactly so that's there, what there, i try to like, believe me i have to argue this with my wife that jujitsu i make for a living and she's still complaining like dude you want to train now you're in brazil you vacation like no dude, you don't understand i gotta go you know yeah. what i mean i gotta compete it's like hey, that's the thing that sometimes we're afraid of like uh you know some guys dream to start to be a competitor as a master okay to like just make a trip to vegas i'm just giving an example here okay and they say like oh i'm not going to what maybe i'm gonna lose the guys in the work so they comes with some excuse oh i have my knee or I have this old injury it's like no it's lying they lie to themselves to lie to other people because the the, the real thing is they're afraid of the failure and what people are gonna think about it and that's where i come back with this nobody cares mm. nobody cares like literally nothing changed a pain for life especially jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu you go it's not like fighting enemy you go to compete you lose in the first 30 seconds or in the last final match or even win when you go back to your work if you're just a regular person you go back and people hey how was the tournament sometimes they didn't even ask and you're like you're craving to talk and maybe somebody saw your post on instagram they're gonna say oh man good man you competed this weekend in vegas and like yeah man i win or i lose doesn't matter it doesn't change but we start to create those opinions of like and then if we come to the mats oh my god my professor my people forget about it do it for yourself that's like the lesson i took in 1999 and it make me free you know what i mean i didn't have more that weight on my back of course it was getting out slowly to the point today that i literally don't care it's like i compete i can i can compete and lose like i fought an MMA last year like just because i wanted yeah you know what i mean i got a freaking like huge cut in my face you know what i mean that guy knocked me down like right in front of everybody oh my god what like people don't even remember you know what i mean Mm -hmm. people don't even remember it's like so who cares like but i leave that experience with 41 years old i step on the cage again i train i had that process i have to overcome things i I torn my biceps in the training camp and I, I came out either way. Not excuses. Lloyd was great. But even though it made me happy, it was an incredible experience. It paid off for everything. So because I don't care what people think. I think it's one of the probably the best things to wrap up on. Uh, I want to give you kind of the final words. Uh, yes. Sponsors you want to thank and, you know, final final thoughts for oh. for us. I do want to thank you guys for the opportunity. I wish you guys with the podcast like a much success. Keep doing it. guys doing great. And uh, yeah, of course, I want to thank everybody for Toronto BJ, Hyperfly Canada. If you want to like to get your stuff in the Hyperfly Canada, 50% off, just use the code GEORGEFLY. It will be incredible help for me too. And uh, that's it, man. Everybody from Ontario, Canada, stay strong. We are getting out of this bullshit and uh, we're going to make better than ever. Yeah, no, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, Professor George, it's been an amazing experience. Thank you so much thank for taking us on a great journey, especially through all the stories. We had a <laughs> great time. Uh, we're you. definitely going to meet up again. We do want to have you back on because I know there's so much more we can talk about. <laughs> so we're just so. getting started. <laughs> I can talk. I can talk a lot. I talk a lot. <laughs> Don't worry. Was, this is awesome, though. Thank yeah, you. And hopefully it. next time we can do it in person. Yes. We'll definitely be Sounds in person great. at the club and do a bunch of other awesome, stuff. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.